Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Hey, friends, thanks so much for listening to the podcast. And we want to make sure that you know about all the other exciting ways to get more exclusive content from The Bill Press Show. We're on Patreon. Did you know that? On Patreon. So to go to Patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash BP show to get videos that nobody else gets. All we ask is five bucks a month and you get access to daily commentary. And every week we put up a special interview just for our Patreon subscribers. Hey, it's a great way to support progressive media and get your hands on some fun, new, exclusive content. Thanks so much for supporting the show by going to patreon.com slash BP show. Giving you everything you need to fight the Trump administration. This is The Bill Press Show, live at youtube.com slash The Bill Press Show. It was a brawl over the wall. Yeah, you probably saw it. All 17 minutes of it from the Oval Office yesterday. Chuck Schumer and Nancy Pelosi destroying Donald Trump. Hey, what do you say, everybody? Here we go. Middle of the week. It's a Wednesday, December 12. Only 12 more shopping days left. Hey, how about it? (laughs) If you're like me, you haven't even started. Uh, It is the Bill Press Show here on this Wednesday. So good to see you. Thank you for joining us. Uh, And we've got lots and lots to talk about today. Yes, indeed. Uh, Of course, we've never seen a president like this, so we have never seen an Oval Office meeting like this, which the president insisted uh, that private little debate session to see if the president and the top Democrats could come together on some plan on border security to fund the wall or keep the government running uh, turned out to be a live in tele- on television, on-camera meeting. That's what the president wanted because he wanted to show off and show how tough he was uh, and how much he how much he knew about the issue, and it turned out to be just the opposite, that he did not know anything. It was just the same old lies that he told, and for the first time ever, he was put down by two people who said, Mr. President, no, we're not just going to sit here and listen to that BS. I know you're going to want to talk about that. Send us your comments on Twitter, at BP Show. We got that and a whole lot more to talk about today. Get ready. But first, this is the Full Court Press. Yes, indeed. Just a couple of other stories making news. Well, if you were in Georgia, Tennessee, or the Carolinas this morning, you got a hell of a wake-up call. A 4.4 earthquake hit in Tennessee. It was just outside of uh, Decatur, Tennessee, which is an area I Mm -hmm. don't know very well. Uh, Seven miles north-northeast of Decatur. They said that it was felt in North Georgia and portions of the Carolinas, including in Atlanta, Georgia, and Charlotte, North Carolina. 
About 13 minutes later, a 3.3-sized uh, earthquake hit uh, in the same area, but they said that one likely was not felt all the way in Georgia, and it was less deep than the first earthquake. But that's so not all something these that we people, usually get. No, all these people who fled California to escape the earthquakes. <laughs> well, I was going to ask the you. The earthquakes are following them. A 4.4, no. not a big deal for Californians. No, no, no. A 4.4 like, for Tennessee, Georgia, and the Carolinas, that's pretty big. Yep, in California, that's not even a... Uh, right, that's know, nothing. No, just like rolling over in bed or something, right? No, I mean, right. nothing. Right. Yeah. But the, you know, you rarely ever hear about earthquakes like uh, in the South. I, I know, but remember, we had one in Washington about 10 years ago, Sure, right? we did. Yeah. Also relatively small, but it did cause some damage in, the, the, in Virginia. We still have some things in our house that are lopsided from that earthquake. We just you decided just leave we're going to leave them there. Never forget. Souvenir. Uh, yesterday on the show, I told you about how uh, basketball superstar Steph Curry says that he was not sure if we actually I, I landed, landed on, the, on moon. the moon. Right. Uh, it was on a podcast that was done with The Ringer. There were several different NBA players as part of a roundtable, and all of them said that they were skeptical that we actually landed on the moon. Well, NASA heard about this, and NASA has offered to meet privately with Steph Curry to show him proof that, yes, in fact, we did land on the moon. In fact, uh, the Warriors, uh, the team that Steph Curry plays for, will be in Houston to play the Houston Rockets, and there's the Johnson Space Center there. So they said, hey, come on by. We have hundreds of pounds of rocks from the moon, plus footage, plus logs. Uh, Anyway, I don't know why we're having to talk about this. If you need to be convinced that we landed on the moon, you know, I don't know if we're going to win you over. It's so embarrassing. Just do what he does best, right? Yeah. Yeah, don't make a fool of yourself. I, I mean, I hate to use the awful words of Laura Ingram as you did yesterday. Yeah, but, but in this particular instance, shut up and dribble. Shut up and dribble. <laughs> shut up and dribble. <laughs> don't worry about talking about the moon landing conspiracy or he anything. He sounds like that. Donald Trump in the birth certificate. He you sure know? does. You're yeah. right. Yeah. You're right. Dummy. This is the Bill Press Show. Hey, how about it? You thought the Jerry Springer Show went away? No, no, no. The Jerry Springer Show didn't go away. It just moved to 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue. And we saw it in full force yesterday. Ah, what a cluster. Hmm. Uh, You can fill in the rest of it. Hello, everybody. On a Wednesday, December 12th, this is it, the Bill Press Show, just what you've been waiting for, just what you're looking for, and it's great to have you on board here. Uh, We've got lots and lots to talk about today, not just that meeting at the Oval Office yesterday, but of course, that's going to dominate our discussion today as we join you all across this great country of ours, uh, wherever you are in the United States of America, wherever you are on the planet, we are there with you. Not on the moon yet. No, no, we're not on the moon yet. So far as we know, we haven't gotten any tweets from the moon or any emails yet, from the moon. Yet. Yet. Good point. Right. But uh, otherwise, we're there with you online, on the radio, on television, online, on YouTube. YouTube.com slash The Bill Press Show. Check out the podcast, BillPressShow.com. Sign up. We're there with you on the radio statewide in Indiana on Indiana Talks and uh, Chicago, you are ours. We are yours every day to start the day on WCPT in Chicago and the Roundabout area. 
And on television, Free Speech TV, Coast to Coast, of course, part of the Direct TV network. Lots and lots to talk about. That big meeting in the Oval Office yesterday. No, you can't call it a meeting. Big clown show in the Oval Office yesterday. Uh, Stormy Daniels getting some bad news from a judge in California. Uh, and she's going to end up suing her attorney, maybe the way it looks. And uh, Theresa May facing a no-confidence vote tomorrow. Or today, actually. I believe it's today. Over uh, Brexit. She couldn't deliver, couldn't get the votes for her plan to carry out Brexit, uh, the deal that she made with the leaders of the EU. And so um, having and the leaders of parliament have called for a no confidence vote, confidence or no confidence in her leadership. Now, I don't know about you, but when I heard that, I thought to myself, particularly after watching the video of that meeting in the Oval Office, just again, here I called it a meeting, that confrontation in the Oval Office yesterday. Why don't we have a system like the Brits do? I mean, you must admit, I would love to see right today a no-confidence vote in Donald Trump. Well, you know, it's, it's you so know, funny. I mean, just I, force the issue. You know, I, I, Why I, wait till 2020? I, I know we're going to talk a lot about this meeting, and we watch, I watch no. this meeting. Uh, no. Well, not, not a meeting. Not a not meeting. meeting. No. Uh, we watched right. this situation in yeah. the Oval Office <laughs> yesterday, and then I was watching cable news, and everybody was just breathless. Oh, God, oh, we've never seen anything like this. Oh. And it's like, no, this is how things get done. Like in Britain, this is how things get done. They yell, and they fight, and they do all this, like, all the time. But, the, but they're... But but again, they have a system for dealing with it. Yeah, they, sure. They can. They don't have to wait until twenty twenty. They can say, "No, we don't like what you're doing right now. Yeah. We don't like what you're doing right now so bad that we'd like a change right now." Yeah, and um, they can force the vote. I I just sounds good to me. Sounds good to me. I'd love that. I'd love to have that system. It would be in the Congress, not nationwide. I'd like to have a vote nationwide again. But well, and so let's start up talking about. <clears throat> Uh, that uh, event in the Oval Office yesterday. Uh, I just want to say this. Okay, I realize, I, I want to, I, uh, up front, I realize I'm talking about one of my brothers and maybe even more than one of my brothers. But I have to say that anybody who used to support Donald Trump, who still supports him after watching what happened yesterday in the Oval Office, is an idiot. How can you possibly help, have any confidence or any pride? Uh, in supporting that man. It was a disgraceful, petty, irresponsible, adolescent temper tantrum, which is what uh, Chuck Schumer called it. Uh, and I'll tell you, we'll play, we'll play a lot of the sound, a lot of it that you've heard, but uh, let me start. Here, here are my takeaways from that meeting. Well, okay. Well, let's we'll start with the sound first. Okay. <laughs> it's yeah. really tough to figure out it where is to go. Tough because it because there's so much. so much there, right? Um, but let's start with the exchange, the, right, the very first one we listened to this morning, Peter, where, so basically Nancy Pelosi had to give the president a, a little civics lesson. He's insisting, I got all the votes. She's saying, you don't have the votes in the House. He said, no, I got all the votes. And then she challenges him and says, you hear it. Yeah, you got all the votes then, big man? Just go get them then. There are no votes in the House a majority of votes for a wall. 
no matter where you exactly start. right. You don't have if to I needed the, the votes for the wall in the House, I would have them mm -hmm. in one session well, would be do done. It. Do it. it doesn't help because we need 10 Democrats no, in the don't Senate. Put it on the Senate. Put it on, put it on the negotiation. Okay, let me ask you this. Just And we're doing this in a very friendly manner. Oh, yeah, a very, very friendly manner. Yeah, we should. At that point, it was still. They friendly were just getting ish. started. Friendly-ish. Yeah. Just kind of getting started. Yeah. But, and, and, and by the way, you should give a little backstory here, which is this meeting, which was going to happen last week, was delayed because of the Bush service, remember, memorial service. Uh, this was to be a private meeting, private meeting between the president and the Democratic leadership. No Republican leaders there, just the Democratic, to see if they could come together uh, and avoid a government shutdown. Yesterday morning, the morning of the meeting, Donald Trump started the meeting by tweeting at least a half a dozen tweets, slamming, criticizing Pelosi and Schumer as being weak, as being for open borders, as wanting to have criminals run into the country, and basically threatening them, warning them, you better come in here ready to a totally cave or you're going to be like in serious trouble. So, I mean, he undermined the meeting even before it started. Then they walk into the Oval Office, and as always, the cameras are invited in, pardon me, the pool, to um, get some pictures, and then they're escorted out. Uh, the president uh, surprised everybody by saying, no, I want you guys to stay. I want this on camera. Why? Because he wanted to show off on camera. He wanted to perform. Remember, Donald Trump, more than anything else, what was he before he ran for president? A reality TV producer and host and star. So this was Donald Trump doing what he does best, reality TV. So that's how this whole thing uh, came came apart. Uh, and again, uh, Nancy making a point. Look, we're not here because we want to shut down. We're here for just the opposite reason. I think the American people recognize that we must keep government open, that a shutdown is not worth anything. And uh, But Donald Trump responds to that by saying, are you kidding? Other people may run away from a shutdown, man. I love it. And I don't want to do what you did. 20 but, times yeah. you have called for, I will shut down the government if I don't get my wool. None of us have you said. You want to know something? You've said okay, it. Okay, you want to put that you on my You said it. I'll take it. Okay, okay, good. You know what I'll say? Yes. If we don't get what we want, one way or the other, whether it's through you, through a military, through anything you want to call, I will shut down the government. Okay, Absolutely. fair enough. And we I am disagree. proud, and I'll we tell disagree. you what, I am proud to shut down the government for border security, Chuck, because the people of this country don't want criminals and people that have lots of problems and drugs pouring into our country. So I will take the mantle. I will be the one to shut it down. I'm not going to blame you for it. The last time you shut it down, it didn't work. I will take the mantle Good. of shutting down. And I'm going to shut it down for border But we security. believe you shouldn't okay. shut it down. Thank you very much, everybody. I am proud. I will be proud to shut down the government. Boom. Lock it right there. That is political poison for Donald Trump not to mention the wrong policy. But the idea, remember, the idea behind every one of these shutdown debates, going back to, I mean, I'm sure there are a lot before this, but the one that I remember particularly was Newt Gingrich and Bill Clinton. And the issue, the whole question always is, who gets the blame? 
if they don't get together, who the the one who's successful in those shutdown battles is the side that's able to blame the other side. Bill Clinton won that first shutdown battle because he was able to blame Newt Gingrich. Uh, and uh, this time, already thinking that there might be a shutdown, Republicans are, were already in the Senate and in the House were already saying, well, you know, we're off for the wall, and if there's a shutdown, it's going to be the Democrats' fault because we're ready to vote. It's the Democrats' fault. The Democrats' fault. Donald, Donald Trump pulled the rug out from under the Republicans yesterday. He was saying, I don't care who gets the blame. In fact, I want the blame. I want to shut it down. I want to be proud. I want it to be, and I love the fact Nancy Pelosi called it. Every time she talked about it, she called it the Trump shutdown. The Trump shutdown. That's going to, that's going to ring. That's going to last. That's the way it's going to be. The Trump shutdown. Trump shutdown. One other thing I just want to point out here, and then we'll get to my takeaways from that, from what happened yesterday, is um, the president started by suggesting that Nancy Pelosi was really weak because she wasn't speaker yet. Of course, they haven't had to vote yet on the 23rd. So therefore, uh, as a woman, she was weak. You know he meant that. And also, politically, uh, she was weak. Nancy fired back and said, don't you dare suggest that I don't have the support of my members. You know, Nancy's in a situation where it's not easy for her to talk right now, and I understand that, and I fully understand that. We're going to have a good discussion, and we're going to see what happens. But we have to have border security. Mr. President, please don't characterize the strength that I bring to this meeting as the leader of the House Democrats who just won a big victory. But let me, let, me let me just say, and let me just say this. What the President is representing in terms of his cards over there are not factual. We have to have an evidence-based conversation about what does work. Uh, so she says, "Yeah, don't you dare suggest that I don't have the forces of the Democratic members of the House behind me. And also, those little cards, he had some note cards he started off with. It was all the same. You know what? He could have been reading from the list of lies that the Washington Post re, uh, reported yesterday uh, because they were the same old lies. We're already building the wall. You know, it's beautiful. I'm proud of it. We built lots of, we've, he said this, we've built lots of the wall already. We arrested 10 terrorists coming across the border. It was all, it was all made up. All, made, all up. made up. And by yeah. the way, you know, we didn't play this earlier, but I just wanted to play because Mike Pence was there and he had a lot to say oh, too. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Thank you, Mike, yes, for chiming Yes, it was Mike in. Pence. Thank he was you, really Mike. helpful yeah. with what he had to yeah. say. <laughs> uh, really, it would have been a disaster except that Mike Pence stepped in and sealed the deal. Right? Yeah, thank, thankfully there was a big brain in the room. Uh, yeah, right. That was, uh, yeah, that was, the, that was Mike Pence's uh, contribution to it. Uh, that was so pitiful. Mike Pence, I, I, I the best description I saw was, he, first of all, he just sat there with this unbelievably deadpan look on his face, did not say anything. A syllable, not a word, not a syllable. He looked like he was really trying to blend into the wallpaper. Yeah. Like, like he kept backing up. Like, I'm not here. Right. So I called him the elf on the shelf. And if you look at that elf on the shelf, that's exactly what he looked like. I yeah. love that. Yeah. As you right. said, he didn't say one word. He didn't utter no. one sound the no. entire minute. Right. So look, we all can <laughs> come on. Here, 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 here's here are my takeaways from this. Okay. Uh, and I want to hear yours too on uh, on Twitter at BP Show. 
One is, and, and no particular order, okay? But from just what we heard, I'll tell you, one, one takeaway is Nancy Pelosi is one tough cookie. And if anything proved, I believe, that she deserves to be, should be, must be Speaker of the Democrats, it's it's what, what we saw yesterday out of Nancy Pelosi. She is tough. She's got a backbone of steel. And, you know, this is the last time we need a rookie as a speaker. I mean, she proves she she's she's the right person at the right time to take on Donald Trump and to lead the Democrats. Number one. Uh, number two. This was remarkable. But think about it. This is the first time in his presidency that Donald Trump has faced any pushback, any pushback at all. What has he had so far? He's had. Yeah. Mike Pence. We saw how much Mike Pence speaks up yesterday. He had Mitch McConnell roll over, Paul Ryan roll over, uh, Reince Priebus roll over and then out the door. John Kelly, who's just, who was, he was there in the room, I'm sure mortified, embarrassed. Uh, no, no, nobody, nobody uh, able to, willing to stand up to Donald Trump at all. You know, this Donald, what we saw the Donald Trump we saw yesterday is who he is where he just spouts off and then everybody says, yes, Mr. President, yes, Mr. President, yes, Mr. President. And if you don't, you're out of the room. It's got to be a different game. It's a different game now. And you got at least two leaders there, Chuck Schumer and Nancy Pelosi, Nancy Pelosi in, in charge of the House, Chuck Schumer, a Democratic leader, uh, who are going to stand up to, to, to Donald Trump. That's the very first time, again, that he's had to deal with any pushback. And I don't think he handled it well. Uh, three, we mentioned this a little bit before, but this this is the key. His, Donald Trump, lost the argument, pardon me, and I think lost the American people when he said, I will take the mantle of shutting down the government. I want it, and I will be proud to shut down the government. Why that's important, again, is because the entire game here is the blame game as to Okay, we shut down the government. Over 600,000 employees, 25% of the federal government because they exempt the military and some other emergency um, services, rightfully so. But at least 25% of the government shut down, what, Christmas Day or two days before Christmas or whatever? And the game always is, okay, we'll do it. It's politically suicide, but we'll do it because we can blame the other side. And they get the blame, and they're the ones that are going to pay the price. Donald Trump destroyed that game and said, no, I want to pay the price. I want to own it. I want it to be the Trump shutdown. Uh, well, he's he's got it now. Fourth takeaway from me is I think it showed yesterday that Donald Trump is really desperate about this wall. Remember, this was his number one campaign promise. And he knows the time is running out. Look, he's had two years with the Republican House and the Republican Senate and has been unable. This is the huge to remember this. He's been unable in two years controlling everything to get funding for his wall. Why? Because even Republicans recognize it's a crazy idea. So now he sees, here we are, December 12. He's got at most 18 days. Okay, take away New Year's and Christmas. He's got 16 days to get this done before the end of the year. He knows the clock is running. He knows time is running out. Uh, and um, I think he understands He's not going to get it. Not going to get it. 
Um, my fifth takeaway from this is, uh, again, in no particular order, who could look at that meeting yesterday? Who could look at that video and still want to be Donald Trump's chief of staff? <laughs> Trump insists, by the way, this is the hottest job in town. and There are 10 people who are vying for the job of chief of staff. Um, I'd like to know who they are. Wouldn't you, Peter? I mean, I mean, we know Mark Meadows said it would be an honor. He hasn't been asked, but it would be an honor to be considered. You know, I saw last night. Nobody else is out there. CNN contributor Rick Santorum. Uh, oh, oh, yeah, he'd be great. Somebody had actually mentioned him. No, and CNN really? asked him on air, and he said, no, I don't want that job. <laughs> so he's not as dumb as we think, Rick Santorum. He immediately shut that idea down. That's the first smart thing I've heard Rick Santorum say. Yeah, literally. Right. So uh, th- th- I-, I think it's going to make it even harder uh, to get a uh, t- to-, to get a chief of staff. Um, <laughs> and final takeaway about that th- what what we saw yesterday that clown show is. And I didn't hear anybody talk about this, but why are we? Why were they having that discussion or debate? Anyway, because remember, remember, we're not supposed to pay for the wall. We shouldn't be talking about whether it's $5 billion or $1.6 billion. We shouldn't be talking about paying for the wall at all. Because not only did Donald Trump promise to build the wall in the first year of his presidency, another promise broken, he's promised over and over and over and over again, probably 200 times, and he still says that Mexico is going to pay for it. And that's the only thing that I would uh, um, take away from, uh, like, too bad that we didn't, um, that Chuck Schumer and Nancy Pelosi did not mention that yesterday. At least I didn't hear it on that in that 17 minutes. Uh, Mr. President, why are we talking about this anyway? You told us Mexico is going to pay for the wall. Were you lying? Were you telling the truth? Where is the check from Mexico, Mr. President? When you get the check... When you have the check from Mexico, come back and we'll talk about the wall. Um, so I, I just think that uh, basically belied the entire argument that Donald Trump that Donald Trump was making. Uh, overall, uh, uh, the, I guess the final takeaway is this. I, I love the, uh, this about it is it really kind of puts Republicans on the spot. Jen Bendry is going to be along from Huffington Post who covers the Congress for HuffPost. We'll ask her and Congressman Mark Pocan will be joining us a little bit later, too. We want to hear from them both about what Republicans in Congress now are saying about um, the fact that the president of their party wants to, pardon me, wants to shut down the government. Uh, more about that meeting later. And again, your comments. Uh, oh, I called it a meeting. Sorry. I've got to come. I wish we could call it the cluster. <clears throat> we could. But it is family radio, so we can't. Uh, your comments on what happened yesterday, what we saw in the Oval Office, please, on, on Twitter, at BP Show. Uh, a couple of other things. Remember, um, Donald Trump has been uh, complaining a lot about the people that work for Robert Mueller because they made some political contributions. Um, and he says they obviously showed bias. Some of them had written checks to Democrats. They showed bias. They should never have a job in the Justice Department uh, if they're uh, political animals uh, and— uh, uh, because that shows uh, that they're they're not going to be fair. Mm-hmm. The Washington Post reports this morning that Bill Barr, Donald Trump's nominee to be the next Attorney General of the United States, uh, 
Uh, he's been pretty active politically, too. He has, in big time, by the way, big time, uh, he has given a total of $567,000 to Republican candidates uh, in the last few years. Meanwhile, his wife, on top of that, has given an additional $220,000. Is that a lot? I don't I don't know. Is that a lot of money? <laughs> Uh, not to Bill Barr. No, I didn't think obviously. so. It is a lot, it's a lot to me, and it's a hell of a lot more than any of those uh, attorneys who are working for Robert Mueller might have given to Democrats. At any rate, um, uh, I, I, the, uh, it, it, it just shows what hypocr- hypocrites they are again, that it's not okay for a Democrat to make a political contribution, but this guy has given so much money to Republicans that I'm going to nominate him as attorney general, you know that issue is going to come up uh, in his confirmation uh, hearings. Um, good news yesterday out of Virginia. We've told you before that the the jury found that James Fields uh, in that uh, Charlottesville uh, big, big protest march of the neo-Nazis in Charlottesville, he's the man who drove his car into a crowd, ended up killing Heather Heyer and injuring uh, several others. Uh, he got a sentence yesterday. The jury recommended, well, the judge hasn't agreed yet, but the jury recommended yesterday uh, that um, Michael Fields be, James Fields, rather, um, be sent to prison for life. And on top of that, 419 years for nine other crimes. And on top of that, pay a fine of $480,000. Um I think we know where James Fields is going to be spending the rest of his days. Uh, meanwhile, talking about the, on the legal front, another little bit of bad news for uh, Stormy Daniels, a judge in California. Uh, remember, so there are two lawsuits going on. One is she's suing with Michael Avenatti as her attorney, uh, the president to get out from under the... Uh, non-disclosure agreement that she signed saying he didn't he never really signed it it was some fake name that was on there not even his signature therefore it's invalid so she should be able to tell her story without any different problems whatsoever in addition to that her attorney she says without asking her permission filed a defamation lawsuit against the president of the United States because when she said that there was a guy that came up to her in this parking lot in Las Vegas, if you remember that whole thing she told Anderson Cooper on 60 Minutes and threatened her, uh, Donald Trump's response was to say it was a con job. Never happened. Con job. She was lying. Uh, Michael Avenatti, her attorney, again, Stormy Daniels says, without asking her permission, filed a defamation lawsuit against the president of the United States, which a judge threw out a couple of months ago threw that lawsuit out. Yesterday, the same judge said that Stormy Daniels uh, has to pay the president's legal fees amounting to $293,052.33. I don't know how they came to that figure. but um, <laughs> uh, And I've got to say, um, I don't know how much a stripper makes at one of the stripper makes at one of these shows, but um, I, I think 
She's going to have to do a lot of pole dancing to get to $293,052. And if I were her, I'd start by firing Michael Avenatti, right, who got her into this mess. We'll see how that turns out. Uh, meanwhile, so much going on. As I mentioned, Congressman Mark Bocan uh, joining us uh, a little bit later with Jen Bendery from uh, Huffington Post. We start out with Jennifer Shutt from um, Roll Call, who uh, covers the White House of Roll Call. Uh, we'll talk more about the big Oval Office mess coming up next year on The Bill Press Show. Take The Bill Press Show anywhere you go. Download our free podcast, search for The Bill Press Show on iTunes, and catch the highlights from every show. Wednesday, December 12, The Bill Press Show. Live from our nation's capital and our studio on Capitol Hill, where we're brought to you today by the United Food and Commercial Workers Union. The good men and women of the UFCW under President Mark Perone, a proud union family uh, that serves, feeds, serves, and provides for America's hardworking families at all of our great grocery chains across the country. Check out their website at ufcw.org. Uh, and uh, join me in saying hello to Jennifer Shutt from Roll Call, a political reporter for Roll Call, who uh, uh, up on the news of the day. Uh, Jennifer, it's good to see you. Thanks for coming in. Yeah, thanks for having me. Uh, we've uh, got lots to talk about, but we've also started already stirring things up here for the last half hour. Peter, bring us up to date. Yeah, we're on Twitter, at BP Show, at BP Show. Uh, my Info on Twitter, that's just their username, My Info, mm-hmm. says, I couldn't help but shiver in my boots when I saw the, quote, great negotiator get shot down repeatedly by Nancy Pelosi and, as they describe him, Chucky Boy Schumer <laughs> uh, in front of rolling cameras. Uh, also, Luna says, Bill, the clean version of the phrase that you're looking for oh. is an association of clusters. Not a cluster F. Oh, really? Association of clusters. I think they're making a joke. I prefer. Uh, yeah, I do too, but I think. The yes. original. Yes. Uh, Peter says, had Nancy or Chuck thrown Mexico paying for the wall into the mix with all the cameras there, Trump might have lost his mind. Uh, for better or worse, yes, I agree with that. Uh, you know what? He would have just said, no, Mexico is going to pay for it. Yeah. He was just asserted that. It's a very easy lie to tell. Right. Uh, David Steele asks, when did the Democrats ever shut down the government? Uh, that's just not something that they have a history of doing. Well, he did. By the way, he did say, I, I had that same question. He did say, Chuck, you shut it down in 2006. I don't I don't remember that. I, I, I may be wrong. I just, I don't remember it. But, okay. Uh, and Tom says, breaking news. Mike Pence still sitting in that same chair, <laughs> still hasn't said a word. If you have a comment on any topic at any time, you can find us, as always, on Twitter, at BP Show, at BP Show. I'll bet when Mike Pence went home that night, he's, uh, he, he talked to Mother and said, Oh, man, you should have been there, man. I was... T- I, you know, let me at I him. Played, let me at him. I played such an important role today. <laughs> yeah, you should right. have heard all that great stuff that I said in right, that meeting. Right, right, right. Yeah. I didn't, but I could have. <laughs> oh, man. Well, Jennifer, to be a fly on the wall. Well, we were all fly. You know, that's right. We often hear that phrase. Oh, if I could only have been a fly on the wall in that meeting. Yesterday, we all were, right? Yeah, I mean, it was a really interesting thing to watch. And when the pool was in the room, some of them were sort of live tweeting out the comments. And a lot of us who were up on Capitol Hill 
were just sort of amazed. And then when the, the video actually came out to the networks and everyone was sort of watching it, it was one of those instances where we've seen sort of a breakdown of the political discourse uh, throughout the Trump administration. But I think that was something that was a bit surprising to me and several of my colleagues, just how tense that conversation was. Well, the fact that it would be that he would want it to be on national television, right? I mean, that was his choice. And clearly, I think he he basically wanted to show off, right? Show how tough he was and how he could handle this and, and yeah. how he could browbeat Nancy Pelosi and Chuck Schumer into doing exactly what he wanted them to do. Yeah, I'm a bit cynical, but one of the things that I'm really sort of... Wait a minute. You're in Washington, <laughs> D.C., and you're cynical? <laughs> if you're... In Washington, D.C., and you're not cynical, you don't belong here. <laughs> so go ahead. Sorry. Yeah, I'm just sort of trying to figure out from, you know, everyone in that room, how much of it was sort of political theater? How much of it was the respective parties playing to their bases and playing to their message? And then what I really want to know is what happened when the, the White House pool and the cameras left the room. What was that negotiating actually like? And then Vice President Pence came up to Capitol Hill right after that meeting and had lunch with Senate Republicans in a closed-door meeting. And I was speaking with lawmakers afterwards, and it sounded like he didn't have much additional information to offer them about how, what the path forward is to actually getting legislation and avoiding a partial government shutdown. Uh, I don't know what he could say because, again, <laughs> he, he couldn't – he might try to spin the meeting, but the meeting – keep calling it a meeting. You know, we're so old-fashioned. This was not a meeting. Um but whatever happened, he couldn't spin it that much because everybody watched it unfold, right? Yeah. So I he, mean, I was speaking to appropriators afterwards, those people who are sort of in the weeds and write these spending bills. And a lot of them really hope that there can be something in the next week or so where, you know, the four corners of congressional leadership get together with their staffs, work out some type of bipartisan bicameral agreement, and then just sort of send it up to Trump through staff and say, this is what we've got. We'd like to put it on the floor. Right, right. So um, Chuck Schumer kept ref referencing that we've got this plan, Mr. President, that we've got the votes for it. We have bipartisan votes. They're like five or six, I, I think I heard him say five or six parts of it or something, but we got this whole thing. We'd like to talk to you about it. We'd like to explain that. Um, get the cameras, get the reporters out of here. We can tell you what this is, and we'd like you to support it, and that would be a way to get some funding for border security and avoid a shutdown. What is that? Is there such a plan? Yeah, there is, and we've known about it, and the entire Capitol Hill press corps has been reporting on it for more than a week. And so essentially every year when we do spending bills, there's 12 of them. Um, this year they passed five of those spending bills so far. That's roughly one trillion of the 1.24 trillion spending cap for discretionary programs. The remaining seven bills, Homeland Security is one of them, that's the border wall bill. And so the plan that we've heard from Schumer and Pelosi is that they want to pass six of those bills, um, you know, like the Commerce Justice Science Bill, the Agriculture Appropriations Bill, the State Foreign Ops Bill, which is a really important bill to get into law because they have higher spending levels in this fiscal year than the previous fiscal year. And then they want to do one of those temporary funding extensions or I guess not so temporary, a continuing resolution through the end of fiscal 2019, which would be September 30th of next year for Homeland Security, which would keep 
the the funding levels for border barriers at roughly 1.3 billion instead of the higher allocation of 1.6 billion. Mm-hmm. Or the other option that they've laid out is that Trump agreed to the 1.6 billion for roughly 65 miles of pedestrian fencing in the Rio Grande Valley that both parties originally agreed to in the Senate's Homeland Security Appropriations Bill. So that would be, again, it's not the wall, but it would be border security, I guess. And are are there well, Republic- that's debatable. Okay, that's very debatable, and this is one of the things that we try to be very cautious about, and it's one of the reasons that we have sort of moved from to saying border barriers. Right. Because when you hear pedestrian fencing, the language that's in that Senate DHS approps bill, it's not really like the fencing in your backyard or the fencing around your neighborhood dog park. You know, these can be 30 foot tall steel structures. So this is something that, say, heading into the 2020 presidential campaign, Trump could potentially stand in front of and hold a campaign rally on and say, here's my big, beautiful wall. Right. Uh, Are there Republican votes for this plan, the Schumer Pelosi, are there Republican names you could put to on, on it too? On the passing six six yeah. of the remaining seven and then doing a CR for a homeland, right. I think there would definitely be enough votes to get it to President Trump's desk. But one of the things we heard him say yesterday is that he will not expect accept any legislation that doesn't include like good border security funding, uh, which we don't really know where he's going to land on that. When time comes for him to set, sign a bill, I mean, bill. there's a lot of there's a lot of wordplay going on here, isn't there? Oh, absolutely. I mean, when you hear, and one of the things that we have to be very careful about is this term border security, right? Because border security refers to a whole lot of things. It doesn't just include these physical structures that could be referred to as a wall or whatever you want to call it, depending on your politics. It also includes um, immigrations and customs enforcement. Customs and Border Protection, technology, and a whole host of other things that are in that Homeland Security spending bill. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, and, and and so that they could do something short of the wall, but close enough that Donald Trump could, st- as you say, stand in front of it and say, I got what I wanted, right? Yeah. I mean, I think- I got border security. Yeah. Whatever and that he's means. already- when. So the way the annual budget appropriations process starts is the president's budget request. That came out in February. And in that document, the White House asked for $1.6 billion for border barriers in fiscal 2019, which began back on October 1st. The Senate actually got bipartisan agreement, Democrat and Republican buy-in, on their Homeland Security Appropriations Bill to put in that $1.6 billion for 65 miles of this you know, pedestrian fencing. Um, And so that is one of the things that we sort of thought early on that there was going to be able to be agreement and that we wouldn't actually be once again in this brinksmanship when we got Mm -hmm. to these last minute funding deadlines. But then after the Senate did that, there was this big meeting at the White House once again with cameras, a bit of a spectacle, a bit of, you know, political reality TV. And he said, well, I want five billion. And so that's where the debate has been for months now. And whether or not they can settle it before this current stopgap spending bill expires at 11.59 p.m. on December 21st is sort of what they're trying to work out. All right. So what appetite is there among Republicans on the Hill for a shutdown? There is no appetite. I mean, I was speaking with the Senate Appropriations Chairman Richard Shelby, Republican of Alabama, at multiple points yesterday, really trying to get a sense of what was going on behind yeah. the scenes, you know, the right. actual lawmaking process yeah. that doesn't right. include these spectacles. Um, and he does not want to shut down. None of his colleagues want to shut down. There's still 
a, an understanding on Capitol Hill among members of both parties that having a shutdown is a really bad thing for government and for the image of Congress in general. And what, following up on that, if there's no appetite for a shutdown, right, what appetite is there, um, what do Republicans think of a president of their own party who says, I want to shut down, I'll be proud to shut down the government, I will own it, and, and I'll take the blame? Yeah, I asked a lot of lawmakers that question yesterday, and their response was, well, we don't want to shut down. We don't think a shutdown is a good idea. We'd like to be able to work out these seven remaining spending bills. We'd like to get to agreement. It's just how they do it that. It really Still, paints them into a corner, doesn't it? Oh, absolutely. I don't think, I mean, I think one of the things in trying to separate what was political theater and that Chuck and Nancy meeting at the White House and what was reality is I have sort of reached the conclusion myself that I really think they wanted to get him to own a shutdown as a Trump shutdown. I mean, we've seen the hashtag go everywhere since well, he did by that. The way, uh, and I think they were mission, very successful at that. Mission accomplished. Yeah. I mean, I think if there was one goal for that meeting for um, Schumer and Pelosi, it was to get him to claim it as his own. And he did multiple times. Yeah. Uh, I thought it was very clever of um, Leader Pelosi to start the meeting by calling it the Trump shutdown. And yeah. We're here to basically avoid the Trump shutdown. The yeah. Trump shutdown. Yeah. Right? And they were very clear that we don't want this to happen. We want to reach agreement. And you could tell that I think there was some honesty from Schumer and Pelosi. They wanted to get the sort of reality show of it over and they wanted to really sit down and maybe bring mm -hmm. in staff and get into the weeds of these spending bills. Which is the way they get things. That things are you know, normally, if you accomplish anything, that's the way you get it done. Yeah, absolutely. Right. Now, um, this did not come up at the spectacle at the White House, but uh, in talking to members, which, and you talked to a lot of them yesterday, does anybody raise the question about why are we having this debate anyway? Because Mexico's supposed to pay for this damn wall. I think has that just gotten forgotten? I mean, I definitely don't think it's forgotten. That question still comes up time to from time to time when we're talking with lawmakers. But the bigger question that me and my colleagues have been asking recently is, what do you actually picture as your ideal version of securing the U.S.-Mexico border? And that's where we see a lot of disagreement, particularly within the Republican Party, about barriers versus technology versus customs and border protection agents and how do we address this. And one of the things that I've found really sort of fascinating is watching how this is being framed by different Republicans, especially if you talk to Texas Republicans. One of the issues in Texas is land rights. And obviously, if you want right. some, yeah, I mean, eminent domain is something that's very controversial, regardless of your politics, mm -hmm. I've found. Mm -hmm. And there's a lot of concerns from the Texas delegation, predominantly among the Republicans, about, well, you're going to have to take land away from Texans yeah. to build this thing. And that's that not going to be popular. A lot of that land along the border is privately owned. There are ranches there, wetlands, right? I mean, it's. Yeah. And then there's all the environmental concerns mm -hmm. about, you know, migrating species. And other things that really have not been addressed that well in terms of, you know, where barriers may or may not be put up and how they may impact the ecological system that's already there. Right. Are there any other big funding issues that could um, relate to a possible shutdown or is it all border? 
there is still, you know, about a dozen or so outstanding issues throughout these bills. Some are really wonky that we could absolutely get into if you want. Um, uh, no, but they're kind you. of, yeah. Too early in the morning. Kind of in the weeds. Wonky, right? <laughs> uh, but in talking to the various subcommittee chairs and ranking members who control these bills, They've said that they really, if there's an agreement on, you know, border security, border barrier spending, they don't anticipate any problems wrapping up all seven of these. Right. Okay. It just depends on when, because you do have to write legislative language and you do have to get staff in the room to lay out this, you know, what's going to be hundreds of pages of legislative text and make sure that everything is correct and ready to be made into law. So at this point, before we get into possible shutdown, um... How many days are left? What is their schedule? I mean, we're, this is the 12th of December. Yeah, so we and, have until 11.59 p.m. on December 21st, which is next Friday, to have it signed into law. And that, at that point, next Friday, the 21st, if there's no resolution, government shuts down. Yeah, but the really important thing Four to remember... Four days before Christmas. Yeah. Or, well, midnight, so three days before Christmas. Yeah, the really important thing to remember when we're talking about... Ho, ho, ho. ...shutdown in this context is that it wouldn't be the entire government because five of those bills, which is roughly $1 trillion, are already in law, right? So the entire Department of Defense is fine. The entire always, yeah, legislative they always, branch... They always find a way to keep the Defense Department going. ...is fine. So yeah. everyone... So what would, is the... the... The legislative branch. Oh, Congress yeah, would not. They would still get their paycheck. Well, staff would still be able to report to work um, yeah. and they would still get paid. And one of the things about shutdowns is that when they do end, there is typically le legislative language put in that allows furloughed employees to get back pay. I would be extremely surprised if we have a shutdown when government reopens, if there isn't a back pay provision for employees who got furloughed. Right. But so that and, and are they in session every day between now and the 21st? Uh, they're I'm just not, trying to figure out if they have enough time to get this done. I guess they do, but yeah, I was they're not known for working fast. They're not known for getting a lot done in a short well, period of time. The one thing I found in covering government spending is that when they want to move quickly, they can move very quickly. Uh, this is something I'm still surprised by from time to time in terms of talking about you know how quickly we can advance legislation. I really think if we get into next Wednesday afternoon and we still don't have an agreement, I, I'm going to start, um, you know, making phone calls to family members like, hey, don't expect me home yeah, Sunday. Right. Uh, I actually text, I'm supposed to go to my sister's house and see my nephews who are like 18 months and like almost four years old. And I actually texted her yesterday after the meeting and said, hey, you haven't told the boys that I'm coming, right? And oh, she no. said, no. And I said, just don't tell them. I don't like, let's just not tell them yet. Oh. And I was sort of like, and also send me like the presents they really want. Because if I miss, I'm just going to like Amazon <laughs> prime you a lot of presents and <laughs> apology notes to the I boys. think a lot of people around the Capitol are making those backup plans, right? Yeah. <laughs> Sadly. Uh, if, they sh if it does shut down on the 21st, does that mean that the Senate and the House would have to be here the weekend 22nd 23rd christmas eve christmas day i don't know this is going to be the really interesting thing to watch because we're in a lame duck session right there's a lot of lawmakers from the house and you know a few from the senate who are not supposed to be returning who expected to actually be done with the legislative session on the 14th mm -hmm. so and we've actually seen on the house votes there's you know a couple dozen i think lawmakers who weren't 
around for House votes yesterday. So this is going to be I mean, be if they've really... already lost, why do they hang around? They don't have to, right? Yeah. And the, I mean, the main negotiators and their staff are going to have to be here. The Four Corners of Congressional Leadership and the entire Appropriations Committee staff, they're going to have to be here on standby. Um, but as far as like rank and file House members, I don't I don't know how that's going to work in terms of whether or not leadership says you have to stay in Washington in case we get an agreement on this and and vote or whether or not they'll say just be able to get back here within two or three days once the legislative text is complete. Uh, so what percentage of the workforce, federal workforce, would be impacted if, if with this shutdown that we're that's potential a really, shutdown? That's a difficult answer um, because so there's nine departments and I think about a dozen or so agencies that don't have full year spending bills that are covered under the stopgap that expires next Friday at 11.59 p.m., but within those nine departments and those agencies, there's this thing called exempt and non-exempt employees. And so that's people who report to work regardless of whether or not the government is functioning or not, right? Like Homeland Security, TSA mm-hmm. is in there. TSA just doesn't not show up at the airport. They're exempt employees. And one of the really fascinating things is that when you get into how many employees in DHS are exempt versus non-exempt, I think it's 92% of Homeland Security reports to work anyway. Oh, so th- which is a lot of people. <laughs> yeah, no, that is that, that is a lot of people. Um, it, it's going. Uh, you know, I was thinking this morning. So that that means, for example, um, how could the president go to Mar-a-Lago if the government shut down? Right. I mean, you would think pretty easily. Actually, I mean, he, I mean logistically, Trump, yeah. Secret Service no, logistically, is fine. No, I understand that. Right. Politically, in terms of uh, image, right, or the optics, as they say, uh, the other. I don't think that's something he worries a lot about. That is true. That hopefully, I mean, just, I, I, literally, I just I don't think he would have a problem at all with just getting up and leaving. Um, but there's another factor too, which is there's talk at the White House that he ha- not having been to a combat zone in two years, that they are planning a trip. I mean, this is not official yet, but there's yeah. been so much buzz about it to uh, probably Afghanistan over. At Christmas time, that this could wreck that flight or that possibility too. I mean, well, again, it seems to me not that he couldn't do it or wouldn't do it. Yeah. But tough for him to take off to leave the federal government in a shutdown and federal employees not getting their paychecks at Christmas time, and then you know he's off visiting the troops. I don't know, out of Washington. I think anywhere out of Washington would be a problem. But you know, I'll let the, I'll let the next chief of staff deal with that. Who is the next chief of staff? <laughs> It's anybody's guess at this point in time. <laughs> have you applied? <laughs> I have not. No. I, yeah, I think there are going to be fewer people after yesterday who want the job. Than the, but if you had to, um, with your having talked to all these people and being there on the scene, uh, if you had to uh, place odds on a shutdown come December 21 right now, are we 50%, 70% there? Where, do you, where are we? Oh, I would I would go like sixty five percent. We're probably going to shut down, just because I really still want to have Christmas. Oh, <laughs> keep up alive! Keep up alive. I just have, a, have to have a little Appreciate bit of hope the in the next week of my life. Yeah. Um, did this um, uh, performance <laughs> clown show yesterday uh, have an, another Im- effect, which would be to solidify Nancy Pelosi's chances of being the next speaker? 
I don't have a good read on that, whether or not her performance in that has really resonated with the new progressives who are supposed to come in in January, whether or not they feel she fought hard enough um, for, you know, addressing border security. And I haven't gotten a really good sense from the sort of incoming progressives and the ones already here whether or not they feel strongly about border security. This is something we know from most rank-and-file Democrats. They do support border security broadly. Mm -hmm. Um, But we've also seen that there's a lot of other competing priorities, including this idea for universal health care or universal Medicare, depending on who you're talking to, how that provision would work. And, you know, there's a lot of emphasis on getting spending for that. And that's obviously on the mandatory side instead of discretionary side, which is just different government classifications and different ways of handling the money. But I am curious to get some more feedback from House Democrats about about that. Yeah, well, you have a chance to today. I saw some of them quoted in this morning's papers, but that uh, um, watching that yesterday sort of confirmed what they feel, that this is no time to have a rookie in the job, that you needed somebody there who could stand up to Trump yesterday, and that Nancy did a pretty good job. Uh, hey, thanks, Jennifer, so much for coming in. You can follow Jennifer and all of our good friends at Roll Call at RollCall.com. And Jen Bendery from HuffPost comes up this next. This is The Bill Press Show. Hey, friends, don't be a stranger. Keep up to date with all of The Bill Press Show happenings around the clock on social media. Here's how. You can follow us on Twitter at BP Show or on Facebook at www.facebook.com slash Bill Press Show and on YouTube, youtube.com slash The Bill Press Show. And remember, if you haven't already done so, make sure to subscribe to this podcast on iTunes. And while you're there, please rate and review the show. That means a lot to us. And thanks so much for your support. Everything you need to fight the Trump administration. This is The Bill Press Show, live at youtube.com slash The Bill Press Show. It was like getting in a pissing contest with a skunk. That's what Nancy Pelosi, well, actually, she said like a tinkle contest with a skunk. <laughs> Being very polite. That's what Nancy Pelosi said about the media. Uh, no, we call it a meeting. The spectacle yesterday in the Oval Office. Hello, everybody. What do you say? Happy Wednesday. It's Wednesday, December 12, and this is the Bill Press Show. We're booming out to you coast to coast from our studio on Capitol Hill in Washington, D.C., with all the news of the day, uh, most of it centered around that extraordinary showdown in the Oval Office yesterday uh, between uh, Leader Chuck Schumer, Leader Nancy Pelosi, and the President of the United States, with the cameras rolling for a full 17 minutes where the president said he would be proud to shut down the government and he would not blame Democrats for it. He would gladly take the blame and fall on the sword for the issue of border security. Um, What do members of Congress think about that? What do Republicans in Congress think about that? Well, Jen Bendery covers uh, the Congress for HuffPost, the White House as well. Joining us here is a friend of Bill for the entire hour. Hello, hello. Nice Hi. to see you. I like how you introduce people as a friend of Bill when they've been here regularly. 
Well, nice. but that doesn't mean I've earned you're something. not a friend of Bill. No, but like you, that's like oh, yeah. my title. It, it is. That's nice. Yeah, when you stay for the whole hour, you're a friend <laughs> of Bill. That's really nice. FOB, we brought But you don't get to sleep in the Lincoln bedroom. That's totally fine. Is that right? Yeah, it's really fine with me. Uh, pretty wild day yesterday, wasn't it? It felt like a TV show. It was. I was, I was a little annoyed because uh, it just yeah. felt like, really? Like this I'm is, with you. This is where we are and everyone's, yeah. in, you know... Yeah. Enraptured by this crazy scene happening yeah. at the White House, and and then I okay. saw like then there's all these hot takes on like what it all means, and CNN yeah. put out like gifts of like <laughs> oh. of each individual moments oh, okay. as a, in a series with analysis. It's oh, like right. really okay. Hold that thought. Okay, we got we really got to get into this, and then Congressman Mark Pocan from Wisconsin will be joining us uh, a little bit later. And your comments welcome as always on Twitter at BP Show. So, uh, Jen and you and I, we all jump into it. But first, this is the Full Court Big Headlines. Just a couple of other stories making news. Here's a story that would have been completely awesome if I was there. In Mm -hmm. Berlin, just outside of Berlin, there was a chocolate factory on Monday that had a major emergency. The liquid chocolate overflowed and actually oh, no. poured out into the streets Get of the town of Whirl, again, just outside of Berlin. About a ton of chocolate mm. ran out into the streets, literally paved the streets with chocolate in this town in Germany. Firefighters had to close off the streets outside of the factory. They had to shovel the chocolate uh, to one side before they had to have a specialist come up and completely clean the road. It is... Heartbreaking to see that much chocolate go to waste this close to Christmas. It's kind of hard to scrape up chocolate off the road and eat it. Too, you know I, mean? I don't think it's edible at that point. Yeah, yeah. once it goes onto the street, I think uh, I think it's probably best to just go in the trash. Uh, let's go to Ohio, where there was a young girl. She is uh, nine years old, and her parents told her. You have to clean up your room before you can do anything fun. You can't watch TV. You can't play with your friends. You can't do anything until you clean up your room. So she did the only reasonable thing that you could do in that situation, which is she called 911. <laughs> she called 911 on her parents because her parents said she couldn't do anything until she cleaned her room. <laughs> of course, 911 should only be used in emergency cases, and this story is absolutely not funny. Uh, but it took two officers. They had to show up on the scene because anytime there's a 911 mm-hmm. call, no matter what, they have to respond. They showed up. They were at the house for about 30 minutes to investigate the call and realize there is not an actual emergency going on here. Uh, everything is fine. So um, no punishment for the for the young girl either. Yeah, I would like to know what happened when the officers left the house. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. This is the Bill Press Show. Yep, and you thought the Jerry Springer show ended in July? No, 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 no. It didn't end. It just They just moved it to 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue, and we saw it in full force yesterday. Hello, everybody. Here we go. It's the Bill Press Show. This is a Wednesday, December 12, as we come to you live from our nation's capital and our studio right here on Capitol Hill, joining you online, on the radio, and on television, coast to coast. Thanks so much much for joining us. 
Uh, and um, we what a show yesterday. Um, they're trying to make sense of it, if there is anything to be made sense of. And where do we go from here between now and the end of the year in terms of a possible government shutdown? Uh, Jen Bendry covers the Congress and the White House for HuffPost, joining us uh, for this hour as a friend of Bill. Hello, Jen. It's good <laughs> to see you. Thank you. So in terms of avoiding a shutdown, did that clown show at the White House yesterday, you know, make any progress toward avoiding a shutdown or make it more likely that we'll have one or or have any impact at all? Well, I think if it did anything, it shows that Trump, it, we sort of got a, a sneak peek inside what it might look like if Chuck Schumer and Nancy Pelosi and Donald Trump were in a room together trying to do this with no press, except it was amplified by about a thousand times because the cameras were there. Yeah. But uh, I think <clears throat> what that meeting did is show that Democrats are very focused on making sure that this falls on Trump if there's a shutdown and that Trump basically owned it yesterday and said, I'm all for a shutdown and because I want more border security funding. And I I mean, ultimately, this is a negotiation that has to happen on Capitol Hill, not at the White House. Not I mean, the, Trump yeah. can make his statements and say what he'll sign and what he won't sign, but they need the votes in the House and they need the votes in the Senate and they currently don't have them. Right. Peter, let's play that very first clip where the speaker-to-be or leader Pelosi was trying to explain to the president, you don't have the votes in the House, and he's insisting that he did, and then she kind of tried to, pardon me, call his bluff. There are no votes in the House, a majority of votes, for a wall, no matter where you start. That's exactly right. You don't have if I the needed house. the votes for the wall in the House, I would have them mm -hmm. in one session well, would be do done. It. Do it. it doesn't help because we need 10 Democrats in no, the Senate. No, don't put it on the Senate. Put it on a negotiation. Okay, let me ask you this. Just And we're doing this in a very friendly manner. <laughs> yeah, that was the biggest laugh line of the day. But so she was saying that there, she said there are not, even today, with a re still Republican-controlled House, right, there are not enough votes in the House <clears throat> for a wall. Is she right? First of all, if anybody can count votes, it's Nancy Pelosi. So d just as a baseline, if she's talking about vote counts, I would, tend, I would side with her and over anybody. And when he but says, no, I could When get he the says, votes, yes, I can do it. And I think what says, we're seeing, go do it. Yeah, go do it. she says, go do, go do it and let's put it on the floor right now and we'll see right. it fail. Yeah. And I think what she's referring to is while the House still has a, you know, for the next week or so, it's still Republican led. They do have the majority right now. What's changed is you've got a whole bunch of Republicans who are leaving because they just lost. And so some of them are already not here. Mm -hmm. They're out. I mean, mm -hmm. the, Mia Love comes to mind. I don't know if she, I haven't seen her at all in there. I don't know if she's coming back. I mean, why would she come back? Yeah, There's, just and that's say, just one. There's lots of would, other ones. Why would they come back? Why would they come back if they've lost their seat? They're not going to get penalized for not showing up. And right? why would they come back specifically to pass a bill to give a lot of money to Donald Trump to build a border wall? I mean, that's just not what is, uh, you know, necessarily what these members yeah. want to go out on as their final vote. So right. you have to assume that <laughs> some, I don't know how many, but at least some Republicans in the House are not going to be there for this, and they're not going to help because they're just done. That's a good point. And so right. then there's that. That changes the math a bit. And then you've got some people who maybe they just don't, as as Republicans, they don't want to spend all this money on a border wall. I mean, some will. And I think Trump's talk, what he's saying is like, look, I'm Trump. People do what I want. I'm the president, and people have to follow me. And so if I want them to do it, they're going to do it. He's 
you know, he he's done that in some situations. But this comes down again to math. And Trump is not doing math. He's just doing machismo and and force. But mm-hmm. you have to know the math. And I my gut tells me that they do not have the votes to pass the bill that they want right now unless they get Democrats to help. It's funny to use the word machismo because uh, Leader Pelosi reportedly, uh, when she came back to the House and met with the Democrats to report on the meeting, of course they'd seen the 70 minutes, that she said this seems to be like a manhood Oh, issue. she did. Yeah, she told that to her caucus oh, when she, she came back. Yeah, yeah, yes, right. she did. We know that for a fact. Yes, right. yes. Yeah. She said that to her caucus and said this is a this is about his manhood. It's This wall is some kind of weird analogy to like his the size of his... Yes, I, his hoo ha. So, right. <laughs> so his. Thank uh, you. Yeah. <laughs> we all went right there when we when she says it's a man who yeah. issue. We know what she's talking about. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. yes, and it does seem. I mean, it does seem to be that kind of an issue with him. Well, I I don't know if I if that's if I would say that's really what this is about, but I think it's a thing where Trump. He when he says he's going to do something, he feels like he can't get out of it if he doesn't do it. And he and if you remember, like a year or so ago. There were two phone calls that he made to international leaders that were leaked and the transcripts came out. It was fascinating because you don't ever see Mm -hmm. what happens in these calls. It was the the Australian president and it was the Mexican president. And the one with the Mexican president, this was a year ago or so, (laughs) Trump was saying in that phone call, basically, hey, man, like I have to build this wall. You got to help me build this wall. I I said I was going to do this. You know, come on, buddy. Like, you know, I I can't look like I didn't follow through. You got to help me do this. And. I'm paraphrasing, but essentially the, this wall has been like a hallmark of his crazy rhetoric at his at his rallies and his campaigns and now as president. And if he doesn't make it at least look like he's doing he's getting a lot of money to build this wall, then he feels like I think he feels like he, he's he has to save his face somehow. He has to make this happen. Yeah. yeah. So I don't think, I, think I don't know if the manhood thing, I mean, maybe that's part of it, but I think he is just obsessed with like looking like he did what he said he was going to do no matter at any cost. Um, he started out, uh, the president did yesterday, by kind of um, a snarky comment about, um, well, I understand why Nancy's got to be very careful today because she's not yet speaker and, you know, and so she doesn't maybe sort of sort of implying that, that uh, she was weak, right, uh, in that position. Uh, here's how that little exchange went. You know, Nancy's in a situation where it's not easy for her to talk right now. And I understand that. And I fully understand that. We're going to have a good discussion and we're going to see what happens. But we have to have border security. Mr. President, please don't characterize the strength that I bring to this meeting as the leader of the House Democrats who just won a big victory. But let me let me just let me just say say this. What the president is representing in terms of his cards over there. Yeah, she fact, talks about the notes that he had. We have an evidence-based but, conversation about what does work. But she's just say, don't, you know, don't say I don't, I, 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 I don't have uh, the support of the Democrats in the House, right? How dare you, basically? How dare you? And also, how, how dare you talk about the fact that I suggest that I don't have power in this situation when I just... My party just whooped your party's ass a month ago, and I'm about to be speaker, and you're going to have to deal with this now. This is the new normal. Yeah. Yeah. So there were so many moments in there like that one that were just so tense. But um, don't you think that, if if, if nothing else, sort of solidified Nancy's uh, 
chances of being speaker? Yes, of course. And she's going to be speaker anyway. I mean, that yeah. woman is yeah. like, she knows how to cross her T's and dot her I's. She's meeting with like every person in the caucus. She's work cutting deals one by one. I get press releases, you know, mm-hmm. every other day from another Democrat in the, in the House Democratic Caucus who at one point said that they they couldn't support her. And now they've come a full 180 and they're just putting out statements saying that it, Pelosi has their full support. It's like a it's my inbox. It's like dominoes falling. So yeah. it, it, she knows what she's doing. And, and that was a very good meeting for her yesterday. Yeah, I, and I saw some people reflect that this proves why right now we don't need a rookie as speaker. Yes, it does. And because not only has she, you know, is she a master at legislating and counting votes and all that, but she is uh, not afraid of Trump and she knows how mm-hmm. to. She knows how the legislature, like the legislature works. Boy, the, yeah. And she knows how to cut deals. And that's that's what she does. She's done it for her entire career. She's never left the House. She never ran for Senate or president or anything. She's a House person. Mm-hmm. And if there's anyone who can handle this situation, it's her. I mean, I think that, I don't know, I haven't even heard other names of anyone who can come <laughs> close to this. I mean, like well, her or not. I mean, whatever. Right. It's, she knows. She the, knows this world inside and out, and she's very good at it. There is still not a candidate no, running, no, no. R- running against her. So no. on that. And the last person, the one person who did announce uh, that they were looking seriously at running against her was Marsha Fudge, mm-hmm. who within a week put out a statement saying that she wasn't running anymore and that Pelosi has her full support. So yeah. I don't know what happens in those meetings. They're, they just negotiate deals. And, and actually in Marsha Fudge's case, I think she became the chair became a, yeah. of a subcommittee on like election uh, right. fraud or you know something related to that. So it's a win-win. Mm-hmm. That's, of course she wants that. Um, there is a, um, yesterday, some other people, point, some people point out that, that this was a, an extraordinary moment for Donald Trump because it's the first time in two years that he has had any serious pushback. He certainly did not get pushback from Paul Ryan or, or pushback from people that he needs. Certainly never got any from Paul Ryan and certainly not from Mitch McConnell. Um, and nobody on the White House staff, it seems. Uh, if anybody was there who could maybe say, "That's I disagree. Mr. President, this is not a good idea, they're not there any longer, right? So is this a little window into what it's going to be like now for the next two Absolutely. years? Absolutely, because th- that was just a meeting that we saw yesterday. That was just a meeting on TV at the White House where it felt like a show, which is not actually how probably meetings are going to go in private, but that was absolutely a glimpse into how it's going to start looking now because uh, aside from like interpersonal dynamics between Pelosi and Schumer needing to cut deals with Trump mm. now going forward, but... Uh, don't the, the most important thing to me is that uh, that not only will Pelosi control the agenda in the House, but the House committees can actually start doing investigations and will start doing investigations into all kinds of aspects of the Trump administration that have gotten no close look by Republicans. And I'm talking about Trump's finances. I'm talking about Jared Kushner's finances. I'm talking about Russia. I'm talking about shady uh uh, government spending by Ryan Zinke or other uh, cabinet leaders. I mean, there's there's so many issues that are ripe for mm-hmm. investigation, which is absolutely the role of the House is oversight of the of the executive branch. Constitutional so th- this, that is their job. And yeah. the, and for the last two years, House Republicans haven't done anything in in an area where it is rich for mm-hmm. investigation. So right. to me, that is. 
what is the biggest shift with Democrats taking the House? You can talk about the deals that Pelosi cuts and, you know, the agenda they set. Those are important, too. But it's that it's the House committee's work. I think that is the that's the real deal. That's the substance. Which, uh, again, Donald Trump uh, at that uh, news conference uh, the day after the midterm said, you know, you either cooperate with me or it's going to be all out war. Meaning if you have invest in oversight hearings, it's going to be all that. No, it's not. That's Congress's job. That's literally their job. Right. And and it's funny because at the end of that meeting yesterday, Trump made a comment. He's like, you know, uh, we can we can make this negotiation. Of, we can either come with a knife or come with candy in terms of cutting this year end, you know, government funding deal. And he was trying to kind of mm-hmm. set the tone like, look, do you want to play nice or do you want to play hard? Because I can play hard. When he said that, Pelosi responded. She's like, Exactly. So she pushed it right back. And so she is very aware of her power now. You know, but and I don't think he's quite grasped how much she has. He always says that, you know, we can be nice, which is as long as I get 100 percent of what I want. Well, or at least he'll make it look like he did. Mm -hmm. And I think that's actually more important to him. He He could lose the level of funding that he wants on this border wall in the next week or so. But he, I guarantee he will find some way yeah. to spin this to make it sure. look like he got what he wanted and the border will be strong and he's a winner. As, but, to, as we were talking about, just to finish that point with Jennifer Shutton in the last half hour, is a lot of it will depend on the semantics and the word, you know, what absolutely. is border security and what's not. And I can hear It's such claim. a broad term. What does that even yeah. mean? Yeah. Well, this is what, one of the things I was saying after the election, right? Because as crazy as the last two years have been, they're about to get a lot crazier, right? I, I really do believe that. And I think that, you know, Donald Trump has been able to get done what he wanted to get done because he was enabled by Congress. And what you have is a lack of understanding of how government works from Donald Trump, from his base, from... Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, he thinks he could just go up there and snap his fingers and say, I want this done, and then people go to make it happen. Well, that's uh, not how government works. He thinks everybody in Washington is his staffer. Yeah, li- literally. Yes, Department of Justice, Congress, whatever, like any treat, tried to treat them yesterday, I think, as his staffers, and they didn't. Well, we do have to um, give credit to one person here, Peter. Can we can we listen again? So we, I think the most uh, telling comment yesterday from the uh, meeting were the comments that Mike Pence made when re- when, <laughs> when it really got tough? Okay, then uh, everybody turned to Mike Pence, uh, and this was his contribution. There he is. Thank you, Mike. Sorry, <laughs> right, good stuff. That was that was pretty embarrassing. It was like the comic. I don't even know. It would be hilarious if it wasn't all so frightening and crazy, but. Mike Pence, if you if whoever's <laughs> listening to this right now, if you have not watched this 16 or 17 minute crazy uh, scene at the White House yesterday, you should watch it and listen to what everyone's saying. But just focus your eyes on Mike Pence the whole time, because he just looks like he wants to fade into the bushes, into <laughs> the like, like, oh, like yeah. the gif of Homer Simpson I'm disappearing into the I'm bushes. It's amazing. He has absolutely zero presence, Mm-mm. zero no. voice, zero presence. He looked like a ghost. He just didn't want to be there. He didn't want to say anything. And I, I wish I knew what was going through his head. As we said earlier, somebody, somebody <laughs> called him the elf, the elf on the shelf. <laughs> <laughs> he looked like that. If you look at the picture of that elf on the shelf. Oh, it was, pretty. but you know, I wonder if that's the way he is in all meetings. I don't know. I, I, 
I don't know what's going on in his head. He just, any anytime I see him in an event with Trump, he just looks longingly at Trump. Like he looks like his, he's just in love with him or something, and he says nothing. It's the Nancy it's Reagan. It's very look, weird, isn't it? Yeah, it is a bit. Like, mm. where is his per- presence? I. It's like he has no presence. Uh, so uh, when Jennifer was here last half hour, she said, I asked her, uh, her her read from talking particularly to senators yesterday is she thinks the chances of a shutdown are 65%. Is that the same range with you? That there will be a oh, government shutdown? Oh, this is shutdown? so arbitrary. I, I don't know. In this moment, it, I feel like there's a better chance that there is a shutdown than not. But today is what, hmm. December 12th? Yeah, um, and 20, December twenty one is the deadline. Yeah, right. Magic so moment. Nine right. days. A lot can happen in nine days, and often, you know, I feel like there's uh, amnesia is a, an issue in this town. This happens so often where there's a, where a days out yeah. from a shutdown, and you see all these headlines: shutdown, showdown, and it's the, for years and years and years. This has been the case. But I will so, say this is a lot different than previous years. You can also say that about other. Shut down. Threats. <laughs> sure. They say that too. Sure. All I'm saying is this is this happens a lot. There's always different pieces to it, but it's the same basic issue. And in well, the end, they they tend to come up with something at the very last minute. Now, right. in this moment, it doesn't look like I don't see a deal. Mm-hmm. But nine days is a very long time in Washington. One thing that I, is, I don't know. I don't want. I wouldn't bet on it either way right now. Uh, one thing that is different, uh, Peter. <laughs> let's play the money shot from yesterday where. In back and forth with Chuck Schumer. I mean, a, a, a little backup before we get into it. To me, it was pretty clear that the one goal that Nancy Pelosi and Chuck Schumer had going into that meeting was to pin it on Donald Trump. Definitely. She used the phrase Trump shutdown. Yeah. Right. Uh, and so, but in this little exchange with Chuck Schumer, we hear <laughs> they, they won that point, but it wasn't hard for them to win that point. And 20 time, I don't want to do what you did. 20 but, times Chuck, you have called for, I will shut down the government if I don't get my wool. None of us have you said You want to know something? You've said okay, it. Okay, you want to put that you on my You said it. I'll take it. Okay, okay, good. You know what I'll say? Yes. If we don't get what we want, one way or the other, whether it's through you, through a military, through anything you want to call, I will shut down the government. Okay, absolutely. Fair enough. And we I disagree. am proud, and I'll we tell you disagree. what. I am proud to shut down the government for border security, Chuck. Right. Because the yeah. people of this country don't so. want criminals and people that have lots mm-hmm. of problems and drugs pouring into our country. So I will take the mantle. I so, will be the one to oh, shut, shut it up. down. I'm not going to blame you so, for it. So in, in previous shutdowns, it's always been the blame. The game is how can we blame it on the other side, right? And they were, they've already been playing that game, as you know, in the Congress for this shutdown. Donald Trump yesterday said, no, 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 no. It's my fault. Yeah. I'm proud of it. That was the most, that was very clear to me that that was what Pelosi and Schumer wanted out of that meeting. They wanted to put the onus on Trump to, you know, take credit for the shutdown if it happens. And he, I was telling somebody this yesterday, it felt like the scene from A Few Good Men when Tom Cruise was questioning Jack Nicholson on the in the courtroom mm-hmm. and he just kept goading him to the point where finally he was like you can't handle the truth yes i ordered the code red and that felt like schumer to trump he just kept poking at him and finally trump just said the thing that that they were hoping he would say and that was it i mean you know that when that meeting ended that schumer and pelosi walked out of there feeling pretty good mm. that they that's actually what they wanted from that meeting uh, trump tried to try to sandbag them by keeping the cameras rolling 
I guess. I mean, I have to say, like, I know Pelosi was saying throughout this meeting, like, we should, the press should go. Yeah. Like, let's have yeah. the cameras out of here and let's get down to business, which is very much her style. She wants to get cut a deal and be done with it. Chuck Schumer, however, seemed in the moment when I was watching this, it felt like watching him and Trump, it was the politicians in their element just sparring with each other and wanting the cameras there. And anybody who's ever knows anything about Chuck Schumer knows he loves a camera. And so does Trump. And so it felt to me like the two of them were ready. They wanted the cameras there to just duke this out in, in, in front of everyone. And so, yeah, I, I think they both fell into their roles. Pelosi was like the, it was a good cop, bad cop. She was the reasonable, mm-hmm. you know, she said later she felt like she was the mom in the room. <laughs> and then Chuck Schumer was the one who was just kind of like yelling at Trump and Trump was yelling at him. And then it was, everybody had their roles in there. Mm-hmm. And then yeah. of Mike Pence, of course. <laughs> Everybody had the role zero except, presence. except for Mike Pence, right? <laughs> <laughs> you said something about um, the, the, I get asked this all the time, uh, about, so what can we expect from the Democrats now that they're, right, they're going to be in charge of the House? And everybody says, oh, they're just going to overplay their hand. They're going to have all these investigations. They're going to start impeachment hearings right away. I'll pick up pri- two, two questions about that. How big a priority is impeachment? What are you hearing? They're not going to make that a priority. I don't know who's saying that, but that's not at all uh, what... You know what? I think, the. by the way, I, I believe members of the media more than anybody else, people, our colleagues, right, who are just trying to stir it up, right? I, I agree with you. I don't know anybody who has said, maybe Maxine Waters, whom I love, has said we ought to start them on day one, but really nobody. There's, always, there's, there's certainly a faction of House Democrats who are saying that. Very but few. But what you Very have to do few. is start at the top. And you start yeah. with Nancy Pelosi, who runs the runs the whole show, is extremely like has her tentacles everywhere, and She's you start with the top. She has been very very yeah. straightforward about this that she has right. no interest, no interest in in making impeachment a priority. She wants Mueller to do Mueller's job. She yeah. wants the House committees to do their uh, their oversight, which is their job, and she wants to move forward with an agenda of Democrats own priorities. So yeah. if you start at the top and you listen to Pelosi, that's that's the directive so the coming down. They're not going to make this a priority. They're going to talk about their first bill that they're going to pass. They've already talked about this too. Is going to that the sets the tone. Fi- the campaign finance bill. Yes, it's it sets the tone for the <laughs> for the new Congress. It's a bill about campaign finance reform. It's about voting mm-hmm. rights right. and election fraud protections. It's about res- in her mind, it's you know, restoring baseline ethical and um uh like social socially needed you know norms basically that have been destroyed under trump so no impeachment from her work from pelosi's own mouth is not the priority even jerry nadler whom i thought might be you know mr impeachment um he has said that impeachment is not the number one priority Mm -hmm. again let's wait to see what most people have heard so let's wait and see what Mueller says first right before we even get into that most most of the democrats right yeah 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 so then that gets to if not impeachment then i mean if not in addition to let's put it this way no impeachment but in addition to oversight and investigations they're going to have their own legislative agenda Right. Oh, definitely. Yes. Uh, H.R. 1, we know, is the first one. We talked about this yesterday with a woman who's at the head of the organization and uh, Citizens United. Mm-hmm. This has been their, this is their big, big priority. But what else? Infrastructure, minimum wage, prescription yes. drugs. Uh, all of those things. Everything yeah. you just said. Um, infrastructure is the one that always comes up is like the bipartisan yeah, issue right. and prescription <laughs> drugs. That's also a big one. Um, 
the minimum wage is a big one. Uh, background checks on guns mm-hmm. that Pelosi has talked about that being a, a big priority. Um, and it's not to say that all these things, you know, they probably would will pass the House if they push bills through on each of these. But, you know, it's not to say that means they're going to sail through the Senate and get signed into law right. by Trump. Right. But what what Pelosi is doing by making these the priorities is putting the focus back on the policy issues that define Democrats, because you can bet that a lot of this is about 2020 and about Democrats reclaiming these issues with with actual power behind them in the House to show like this is what we're about and we're not going to just talk about Trump. We're going to talk about the things that actually matter to people, healthcare, education, jobs. It sounds, you know, kind of traditional mm-hmm. and boring, but like that's that's actually what Pelosi believes that it's, yeah. it's the kitchen table issues. She says that she has been saying this for her entire run in there. It's the kitchen table issues that people care about. It's not Trump's latest rant on television. It's about people who go to work every day and worry about being able to pay their bills and, mm-hmm. you know, middle class families and it's the spiel it's the thing that we hear all the time from politicians but she that's that's 100 percent what she believes and that's what they're going to do yeah i think you pointed out looking at 2020 uh i think it's important that they come up with to have some record of accomplishments going into 20 you gave us back the house and here's what we did yes and she uh, really doesn't want to talk about trump right and if it gets if some of those things could get through the senate all the better and it's not impossible it's not you know, on some of those issues again. So, um, well, we'll find out um, uh, as we expand our conversation here in the next half hour uh, from a member of the House, what we're likely to see uh, from the House um, or on impeachment or on agenda, on investigations or in the Progressive Caucus. We're talking about Congressman Mark Pocan from Wisconsin. We also want to ask him about what's going on in Wisconsin. Yeah, messy aftermath of the election there. Uh, And Jen Bendry stays here as a friend of Bill for the uh, next half hour as well. So we'll take a quick break and we'll be right back. Follow us on Twitter at BP Show. This is the Bill Press Show. Here we go now on uh, Wednesday, December 12, uh, the Bill Press Show. Wrapping up from our studio on Capitol Hill in Washington, D.C. Thanks to the support today of the International Association of Firefighters, a great men and women of the firefighting departments across the land. Uh, We count on them every day. They never let us down, protecting American families every day of the week, every moment of the day. Under the leadership of President Harold Schaefberger, check out their website at iaf.org. Jennifer Bendry here from HuffPost as a friend to build the entire hour, and we are joined uh, by the good congressman from Wisconsin's 2nd Congressional District, uh, Congressman Mark Pocan. Good to see you, Congressman. Oh, thanks. Thank Glad to be back. There's so much happening in the Congress. Jen and I have been talking about it. I want to start by asking you, what the hell's going on in Wisconsin? <laughs> I mean, congratulations, you elect uh, a new governor, and then the Republicans say, oh, we're going to cut his legs out from under him before he can start. Huh? Yeah, this is one of those times the Onion headline was more accurate than not. Uh, it said, you know, the Republicans were moving to dissolve the, the state of Wisconsin so Democrats couldn't take over. That's pretty much what they were trying to do. I mean, they're taking away powers from the incoming governor, the incoming attorney general, changing uh, early voting law, and a whole bunch of other things uh, in an effort to try to usurp what the voters decided on November 6th, which was putting Democrats into every state constitutional office. 54% of the people voted for Democrats for the state assembly, but because of gerrymandering, they got 36% of the seats. So this is what we're facing, and they made a, a, unlike Congress, where Paul Ryan can't 
even govern and figure out how to end the year. These guys figured out how to take a whole lot of power uh, while they still could having Scott Walker in office. Did they have they? Uh, if, where, where is it now? Last I heard, they passed the bills, and it was. Would Scott Walker sign them or not? We know the answer to that. Yeah. Has he signed them? Is no, it done? he's. Um, there's some conflicting stories. <laughs> he may do some partial vetoes. There are some things they did very sloppily that could cost them transportation funds and other things. And I've actually talked to the Republican speaker about mm. that. So we're hoping that you know at least he'll do something like that. But any of the power grab stuff, he's going to allow it to happen. Yeah, he came into the state in chaos with Act 10, uh, taking away collective bargaining rights. He's going to leave the state in chaos. That's Scott Walker. And, uh, you know, good luck to the next Walgreens or CVS that hires him. But, um, you know, because <laughs> that's about the only place he's probably qualified to go get a job. Is there a possibility of undoing some of this stuff once the Democrats take over? Uh, through the courts will be the best uh, chance because we're so gerrymandered that you're not going to get anything through the legislature. So it's only going to happen via courts. But I think they're, you know, the, the early voting measures almost identical to what was already ruled unconstitutional through the courts. So, mm. you know, again, they did this fast and sloppy rather than right. Um, they just wanted to exert power rather than do it so it might be lasting power. And uh, I think some of it will throw back. Mm-hmm. Are there already people looking at the court options on this? I yeah. I oh, yeah. there are. Yeah. Yeah. And especially, you know, the stuff that got less attention is, you know, the attorney general that just got elected, Josh Call is a young, um, very smart, very uh, politically savvy guy that I think everyone realizes has a future. Uh, his mother was Peg Lautenschlager, the former attorney general. Um, people have great respect for him. So one of the things that didn't get as much attention is they took a bunch of his powers away uh, because they don't want a bench in the future for Democrats either. Um, Tony Evers, you know, is I think 67 or something. So people are kind of looking ahead. And we elected a number of younger Democrats in those state constitutional offices. But uh, that got less attention, but they really took away a lot of his powers to fight for consumers and for the people of Wisconsin. The legislature now has that power. You've been in a lot uh, during the midterms. We talked about the prospects for Democrats in the House. Now that the midterms are behind us, uh, I'm sure there are two issues in the time we have with you that Jen and I want to talk about. One is uh, generally your your take on the midterms and where yeah. we ended up for Democrats. And the and the new members of the Progressive Caucus, and then the second issue uh, about a little event that happened down at the White House yesterday. I don't know what you <laughs> might have heard about that. Where do we start? You want to start with the White House, where Nancy yeah. served Donald Trump lunch? Yeah. <laughs> what did you think of Pelosi the way she was in that meeting? I, you know, this is why Nancy Pelosi will be the next speaker, no matter how many stories people write, because they're intrigued by the palace uh, insider stuff of what could happen. The bottom line is, you know, if you're going to fight against a Republican Senate and a Republican White House, you need your toughest, best negotiator and. Nancy Pelosi is that person. And um, I think she showed again that she's very savvy, experienced, knows what's going on. Um, And, you know, afterwards I heard Donald Trump threw a little fit, as any good man child would. And uh, so, you know, I think this is, again, solidifies why Nancy Pelosi is the leader for the House Democrats. What did she tell you when she came back to the House? We haven't seen her since then. Um, She met with some... Democrats. She met with uh, I think some members of maybe the steering policy committee. and steering committee. Yeah. I think, yeah, no, and, yeah, and had some yeah. colorful remarks about her thoughts on that, that meeting and about things. Yeah. <laughs> skunks and manhood. Something about yes. if you if you tickle a skunk, you're gonna leave with tinkle on you or something. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was a very <laughs> kind of gross. I, let's be I, honest. I read those comments, and but again, that's part of why you know she she gets the job, and um, that's going to put us in a better position with a Senate and a White House. 
it's not not the time or a place for a rookie. No, no. And you know what? I, again, much of this is done. We had the vote. We already know who our leaders are going to be. Um, people who are still writing the story are still writing, you know, could still write about the War of 1812 for that matter because <laughs> it's a past event. And maybe, uh, you know, we should just all move forward to what we can now do with uh, a 17-seat margin. We picked up 40 seats, 17-seat margin. You know, I was really worried. I thought it was going to be five or 10 seats. And I was in a majority in the legislature where we had a three-seat margin, two Dinos, never voted with us. Any lobbyists who got to one person could screw up an agenda. Um, I, I think I had hair before all of that. Uh, and it was just a really tough experience to try to govern. Um, but 17 seats, you know, we have some members, as you know, who prefer to spend their life in the fetal position, rocking in the corner of a room. Uh, they can do that because we now have a cushion of enough members <laughs> to get things done. So this is really exciting going into exciting January. Exciting for those members, yeah. too, who <laughs> they can, can do what they fetal need to position. Do. Yeah. It's it's warm, it's comfort zone, but you know, for the rest of us we got elected to get some stuff done and now we've got a pretty comfortable margin to get some of those things done. And as chair or co chair, right? Of the co chair Pramila Jayapal from Seattle and I are the co chairs. Yeah. Great leadership there. Two really good friends. And um, a lot of the new, your, your take on the new members coming in, it's a pretty rowdy bunch. It's huh? a great group. You know, the energy there um, across the board, right? Uh, you know, you've got some really energetic new folks already calling out Harvard for their training, which I, I have to give them a lot of credit for yeah, because a lot of said, what they said was very BS. true and people just kind of mm -hmm. accepted and, and, you know, they're not accepting the way things are, which is great. They're ready to rock and roll and not, you know, necessarily wait to be given uh, permission to raise their hand and say something, and that's going to be very good. And, you know, also, even beyond the Progressive Caucus, 36 incoming people ran on taking no corporate money. And there were only a handful of people previously mm. in the House and a handful in the Senate that didn't do that. This has the potential to change Washington. Right now, lobbyists are... Are, are like buying, you know, depends in, in big quantities because they're nervous about the, the prospects of what this means. I, I've had lobbyists say to me, you know, we're afraid we're not going to have meetings set up. So they're equating the donations with meetings, first of all, which is the, the first problem. The second problem is then the response is, but we think we have an answer. We haven't raised the PAC limits for a while. We think we should double the PAC limit. So a $5,000 bribe isn't enough, but maybe for 10000 mm -hmm. and And that's the problem with this town. I mean, I've been here now six years. I've decided I'm going to say whatever the hell I want because, you know, we, I'm inspired by all these new folks that are doing this as well. So, like, we just quit taking corporate money. And now we're encouraging other people who've been around to quit taking it. Because what one of the things we've noticed is people aren't going to the money committees where you can raise money. They're going where they really want to do policy. I mean, this really has significant potential to change the town. And I'm really excited about that prospect as well. What's the membership of the Progressive Caucus now? We're going to be somewhere between probably 90 and 95 members. Uh, yeah. Yeah. yeah, I'm old enough to remember when the Progressive Caucus was a huge, powerful group when Pelosi was speaker before, mm -hmm. and they she couldn't do anything without their sign off. And that was in the year, what, 2010, when everything was it 2010, 20, 2008, when it was like the Iraq yeah, war so was the number one. We lost in 2010. So, so it was, it was, it was a 20, yeah. 2008 yeah. to 2010, that, that two year period when everything was happening. Yeah. The Progressive Caucus had so much say on health care, on the climate change bill that that passed the House mm -hmm. uh, the, on Iraq war votes. And I mean, they were a real, really powerful group of people. And I feel like you guys might be back in that, in that what, position with real leverage. One of the things, and I'll give Leader Pelosi credit on this, we sat down, uh, Pramila uh, Jayapal and I sat down with her a few weeks back and said, look, we're 40% of the caucus on the key 
committees like Ways and Means and Financial Services and Appropriations, Energy and Commerce and Intelligence. We don't have 40% of the seats. We would like to have proportional representation. And she agreed to that. And, you know, that is going to be significant because often on Ways and Means especially, people tend to be uh, more corporate friendly on financial services. uh, You know, poor Maxine has not had uh, the number of folks she needed. And we're losing people like Mike Capuano and Keith Ellison and others who were very progressive on that committee. So, you know, this is our task is making sure that we've got people and we do. We've submitted names of people who are interested to be on those key committees so that, you know, when policy comes up, it's going to have a progressive bent rather than, you know, a bent that, you know, might represent some of the current makeup. Mm-hmm. Um, what we saw yesterday in the Oval Office, is this the way to get things done? Um, well, I don't know. I mean, it was weird with Trump, right? I mean, I always, back home, I explain, you know, first, he's a reality show star. Second, he's kind of a sleazy businessman. Third, he's the president of the United States, right? Depending on what day, that's kind of the order he, you know, I think operates in. And yesterday, he clearly was reality show star, right? He was going for ratings. He did whatever he needed to accomplish in that moment. But was that moving us towards, uh, away from a shutdown? Yeah. He's in charge of the shutdown. He and the Republicans. Last time I looked, Paul Ryan is still in charge, even though, you know, we don't see much of him. He's you know, become a bit of a jellyfish. You don't know, no spying. And you know, it's hard to find him where he's hiding these I, days. And but, Mitch McConnell. Uh, on, that po- on that point, I don't think, I haven't seen anything Paul Ryan said about yesterday's. I haven't either. Huh? He said he didn't see it. Oh, come yeah, on. No, it was that typical Paul answer, typical Paul Ryan answer, oh, as God. if he watches Reed's Field and Stream all the... What was he doing? <laughs> I know. Well, it's just the, the president meeting with the, uh, Pelosi <laughs> yeah. and Chuck Schumer. It is ridiculous. Uh, but that was, you know, his approach to it. And then there's rumors, I don't know if they're true, but we may not be in Monday or Tuesday of next yeah, week. Yeah, I heard that. Yeah. You guys Which are, you is guys if are that's out. true, it's ridiculous because, you know, this needs to get done. And... Um, you know, even the Republicans in the last appropriations bill, the language they put for the extra money for border security, explicitly said, but nothing can go to any designs done after March of 2017, i.e. the wall design. So even they know this is a waste of money. Um, and they put that in the language in the last appropriations process. So I think Nancy's solution, again, is a good one. OK, fine. If we can't work this out because, you know, you're going to go for ratings or whatever, let's just do a continuing resolution through September 30th. And then we'll figure it out in the next Congress. But, um, yeah, Paul is completely MIA, probably picking out what, you know, home he's going to move to in Alexandria to be a rainmaker for a lobbying firm. And uh, Mitch McConnell's Mitch McConnell. And, um, you know, again, Donald Trump was bizarre behavior. I don't think we expected that. But, again, if you look at mm-hmm. who he is, it's completely understandable. And at this point, um, by midnight Friday, December 21, uh, we're going to resolve this or shut it down. I mean, you know, I would I would assume some adults um, in the Republican Party will step in and say, you know, you can't do this, especially before Christmas and all the rest. But um, we'll see. I mean, after they've seen the Wisconsin experience with Republicans, I know, uh, mm-hmm. you know, we should mm-hmm. be ready for whatever. But it was very bizarre behavior by Donald Trump. And, you know, for many of us, um, you know, the wall is a, a big line in the sand because we see it as a complete waste of money. Um, one member who's leaving, who I won't say the person's name, said, give them money for the wall and we'll just tear it down later. <laughs> and I don't know if that's the right approach, but it is a, a possibility. <laughs> so wow. we'll see. It's just, you know, it's it, the fact that this is what Donald Trump is going to hold us up on. And I, I look back to earlier in the year when, Donald, when Schumer offered money for a wall and Donald Trump wouldn't take yes for an answer. I don't actually know if he wants a wall. He just wants to be able to have another rally where he can talk about why we need a wall so he can continue his xenophobic message that gets the adoration of his fans 
because again, I think that's what Donald Trump's really about. Um, so we'll see. But if we come in on Wednesday, uh, it's going to be tougher to get it done by Friday. Yeah, nothing's going to happen in the next couple of days, and then Monday and Tuesday, the weekend you're off. Monday, Tuesday, you're out. Yeah, they're saying they won't bring us. It's going to be Wednesday, Thursday. Yeah, they don't want to bring us back until they have something because when you leave Republicans around each other, (laughs) you have problems. Is what they're (laughs) dealing with. That's why they don't want to be in on Monday and Tuesday. Big part of the rumor. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) I mean, whenever you have the you know without adult supervision, (laughs) um, bad things happen to their caucus. (laughs) So I think they're trying to like surgically bring us in for a vote. If they could have us vote like at National Airport or Dulles, they would probably have us do that on Friday. Yeah, rather than have everyone get together. Like do it, so you just step it, you know, your foot in town. Um, but we'll see. Well, Congressman, it's good of you to drop by. I know you have yeah. some pressing business that you have to run off to at the uh, at the Capitol right now. So uh, we'll 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 wrap things up and let you go. But happy holidays. Yeah, same to and you. And thanks Thank so you. much for coming in. And oh, appreciate uh, it. great great success and leadership on the uh, Progressive Caucus. And we'll see you lots in 2019. We got some great folks coming in. Thank you. Right. And don't get into any pissing contests with skunks. (laughs) No, I I think I've learned that as of yesterday. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. Good to see you. Thank you. Thank you. Nice to see you. Right. Uh, It's good. Unplugged. Right. There we go. Right. He's coming in. So, so Jen, I mean, your, your beat, how much interaction have you had with these new members for Congress? Uh, not too much, honestly. It's, you know, there's still a lot of the, the, the members who lost are all still there, you know, cause we're in the lame duck. So, <laughs> oh, that's um, right. Yeah. So, right. you know, there, you've got all the new members going through training and, you know, prepping for becoming a member, but, um, it's still the same Congress that we've had for the last two years. That's right. So yeah. it's, yeah. it's still the same people, although some of them are not around. And so, which makes me, as we said earlier, makes me wonder if they, how many of them are just done now? I mean, they lost a lot of seats. Are those members just piecing out already? Because it looks yeah. to me like some have. But some of these, some of these new members. I mean, some you know, we hear about kind of the rock stars, Ayanna Presley and uh, Alexandria Ocasio Cortez. They're they're very savvy, right? And they're they're already having an impact. We're right, you're right. Uh, they're busy kind of picking out their the lottery as to what offices they get. Uh, this little matter with the uh, the training that they were getting from Harvard, whereas before it's always been you just go along with what's. And these people said, hey, this is BS, basically, right? Yeah. You're teaching it, us stuff that we don't agree with, right? We're not going to operate that way. We're not going to do it. No, we're, this is a different class, which I, I, I thought was was really great, right? Showed great signs of It change. is exciting for progressives because it, I think it was Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez who tweeted um, <laughs> that that they were meeting with – they had met with four – people so far in their training at Harvard, you know, these these are meetings to like train you on how to be a good member of Congress, basically. Mm-hmm. And they had had they had met with four people already by this point. And Ocasio-Cortez tweeted like we've met with four prominent Democratic voices, all four, the number of them who are like tied to corporate interest four, the number of them who are, you know, labor leaders or, you know, focus on labor rights, zero. You know, what is what? Why? What is the why are we doing this? And I think what was really telling about that is, uh, well, a it shows that this incoming class is ready to really speak out and even mm-hmm. rip their own yeah. party, yeah. Right. you know, for right. the way they're doing this. <laughs> but but I, more interesting to me was the fact that that is considered the norm that that that's normal and that nobody else would even point that out because and by the it's way, just so common that like of course Democrats are going to learn how to be members of Congress by sitting down with 
Democrats, you know, beholden to the corporate industries, you know, they're not going to meet with labor leaders. And so that that's like sort of the what was a reminder to me, like, oh, yeah, like that is sort of the baseline. Yeah. And that's maybe that's time to change that. for well, the caucus. It, And it's always been that way or it's mm-hmm. been that way for a long time. And nobody else raised hell about it, you know, yes. until, until this crowd. So I think it's just a little sign that things are going to be different. Um, and, and these committees, you know, they're going to speak out. The whole rule may be if you just duck your head down and behave for a couple of years before you dare kind of, you know, kind of try to exert yourself or, or, or speak up, make a point. Uh-uh, not this crowd. Well, and also what, uh, going back to what Congressman Pocan was just saying, if that's true that, that uh, Pelosi just said yes to letting members of the Progressive Caucus, I hadn't uh, heard that. that's, that's... you know, represent 40 percent of the seats on mm-hmm. all different committees. That's a big deal, too, because it's true that uh, certain committees usually don't uh, give seats to, let's say, younger, more progressive members. They they the, the really powerful committees don't often have the, the, the younger, louder, more progressive folks on them. Right. And it sounds like they might have that now. And that will that will really change the dynamic of how businesses run in the house um even just having one one more progressive uh kind of energized newer voice in there that even one on a committee like the ways and means committee that will make a big difference Mm -hmm. yeah and again these are people who are going to exercise their voice they're not just going to be filling a seat and who are also very social media savvy because they're younger and they're millennials and they know how this works so they're going to be able to have a voice that some of the older members still don't they haven't quite figured out the, how social media can work for them in a, in a fun and engaging way. Right. Um, and despite, <clears throat> pardon me, some of the compromises that uh, Leader Pelosi has made, we will enter the new Congress with uh, the, the triumvirate as Nancy Pelosi, Steny Hoyer, and James Clyburn. No change. Uh, the changes have come with other positions, right? right? You know, um, new committees formed, or new and to, to to give people and to give some more diversity there, right? I guess the youngest would be the number four. It's uh, Sherry Bustos taking over uh, the Democratic Congressional Campaign Committee, right? right? Um, in the in the leadership. So I, I guess how long do you think that triumvirate now will last? One effort was people were trying to get Nancy to agree. Okay, I'll do it for two years and then I'll step down. Right? She wasn't going to give that up. I yeah, mean, she and may why do would that, she? But she was not going to agree ahead of time. And that would not work to her benefit to say to put a timeline on her leadership because that would weaken her hand as soon as she did it. it would make because her people a would say she's on her way out. Beginning. Exactly. Yeah. So uh, on the other hand, I did read something this morning even um, saying that uh, it appears she's been talking to that dozen or so group of Democrats who have said they're going to vote no mm-hmm. on her speakership. Um, I read this morning something with her potentially promising them that she will say that she will no, not be a leader for more than four years, hmm. which is the first I've heard of her agreeing yeah, to any kind of that. public time limit on her leadership. Um, I don't know that that's going to happen. I just read that this was being talked about. Um, but, I mean, no one's getting any younger in there. And so I think that, you know, she knows that. She's not um, immortal, and neither is Steny Hoyer or James Clyburn. But I think... My sense is that at this particular moment in time with Trump in the White House and with McConnell running the Senate, I think Pelosi feels like this is her moment. She's the she believes she is the best one to do this. She's going to do whatever it takes to stay in that position and keep her lieutenants with her. And 
you know, maybe in two years we'll we'll see uh, potentially a, a, a handover, maybe not, but you know, they're not leaving. <laughs> and I, no. and uh, you know, but they're, they, they, you know, their time is, they're not going to be in there for like 10 years. You know, it's, they're, right. they're all in their mid to late seventies. Yeah. No, but I mean, I think they see this moment as the, that it's still not time for them to go because of what's happening. Pelosi uh, and Clyburn are 78, Steny Hoyer 79. So if you were talking even four years, at the same time, though, you can't overlook that in the Senate, um, the leaders there are also old, and there's a lot more focus on the House lineup. Why aren't we talking about Mitch McConnell? Mm-hmm. He's no spring chicken. Chuck Schumer is no spring chicken, and yet they're leading both of their respective parties uh, with no calls for them to to step down because of their age. And it, what what is that about? Is it because they're men? I mean, you could absolutely make that argument. No. Peter and I, Peter and I, made that point here several times on the show. I mean, why? It's why okay is, for men to age and stay in leadership exactly. roles, but no, not women. No, right. Why is all the focus on Nancy Pelosi and nobody's talking about Chuck Schumer? Not, you know, or Mitch put, McConnell. Or Mitch McConnell. Well, we're talking about Democrats having to right. you know, play for And Chuck Schumer, not only because of his age, but because I don't think he's that strong a leader. Mm-hmm. Although he was, did a pretty good job yesterday, too. So, well, um, Merry Christmas, happy holidays, whatever your plans are, and thanks for coming in today. Anytime. Yeah, it's good to have Congressman Pocam with us, too. Uh, you can follow Jen Bendry at HuffPost, of course, HuffPost.com. Uh, and that means that uh, the rest of the day is yours, so make the most of it. Come back and see us again tomorrow. We'll be here. We'll be looking for you. This is The Bill Press Show.